Welcome to Gratitude, the grad school guide for student physical therapists. I'm Gabby. And I'm Sarah. And we are two physical therapy students on our journey to get that DPT debt free. And our vision for you is to get through PT school on your first try without any debt. Join us as we navigate through the insanity of physical therapy school together. This episode is brought to you by the SPT Navigation System. We're here to help you navigate through your PT school journey, whether it's your first time or your second lap around, and get you through debt-free. As PT students, this is what we would have wanted to help us navigate PT school, and so we've created all of this for you. We give you the tools and resources that school does not give you in order to get into the right mindset for school success, adjusting to the heavy workload of PT school, studying smarter, managing your stress and your time, making connections, and other tools you need in order to become a debt-free SPT. Click the link in the description to join the upcoming class. Welcome everyone to another episode of Gratitude, and for today we have a very special guest for all of you, and you may know her as DPT Steph on Instagram, but Steph is here today to come on the podcast, and we are so excited that you are here and um, really looking forward to the conversation with you. Yeah, me too. I'm super excited. Thank you guys for having me. Of course. And for the people who don't know you, can you talk just a little bit about what got you into PT in the first place and kind of what you're doing with it now? Mm -hmm. Great question. Um, So I never really knew what exactly I wanted to go into. I just knew it was healthcare and, you know, everyone kind of, I feel like dressed up as a doctor at some point when they were little, right? Um, But I, as I went through my undergraduate or college career, Um, I went through the bio and organic chem and pre-med track and I was like, organic chem is not my thing. And I also don't feel like I want to spend 10 years um, from med school into a residency and everything else. Um, But what can I do to continue to help people and impact people's lives? Um, And I stumbled on the exercise science major and a bunch of kinesiology exercise, physiology, biomechanics courses, and honestly just really fell in love and I had great professors and experiences. Um, So once I started shadowing, um, I did like pediatrics, outpatient, um, inpatient, nursing home, etc. Just to get as bunch of perspectives as I could. And I loved how there were so many things that you can do, so many populations and settings as a PT. Um, and just the fluidity of everything, how you didn't need to go back to school to get a special specialization or a certification in order to move throughout these fields. Um, and I think that was something that really just impacted me in realizing the value that we hold to um, have people be able to get back to doing something that they love and being able to spend a significant amount of time with them too, because we're not just in and out with one visit, we're seeing them over a longer period of time. Um, So that kind of impacted me to get into the PT profession, and then I just tried to keep an open mind through PT school um, to figure out what kind of setting I wanted to be in post-grad, and ended up in acute care, and I love it. Um, It's not where I thought I was going to end up my first year of PT school, 
Um, I loved pediatrics and I love children. I always have even outside of PT. So I thought I would be there. Maybe I'll end up there one day, but I am really loving the medical side of things and being in a hospital environment and being a part of that interdisciplinary team. Oh, I love what you said. You didn't know you were going to go like where you are going to be today. And we all come in thinking, you know, with our shadowing experiences and really saying, okay, you know, I, I always know like I'm going to do outpatient ortho and you know, that's what I'm going to stick with. But as you go through school and go on rotations and have classes, like you just have your mind, like just open to so many disciplines and settings that you may not have known you wanted to get into. So I think that's incredible. And uh, so when did you graduate PT school? Almost a year ago, which is so weird to think about. And I'm telling everybody this, that it is going by. I'm almost approaching six months of working already. And I literally don't know what happened to time. It goes by so incredibly fast. Um, so yeah, I've, I've been out of school for about a year, but we had to wait a couple of months to take boards. Um, so that's why there was a larger gap, but it's, yeah, it's been a journey. <laughs> it's 2020 as we're recording this for those of you listening in the future. So <laughs> we, uh, it is May of 2020. We are in the middle of like the COVID-19 pandemic right now, and you are in an acute care setting. And how has that been? Yeah, so I'm not only in acute care during a pandemic, but I'm also in New York City, which is one of the, if not most, the hardest hit uh, areas in the country right now. Um, I'm not going to sit here and put all smiles to it. It's definitely been tough. It's been a roller coaster, you know, as a clinician, but also just as a person, another, you know, citizen or person in New York City. Um but with that being said, it's also been as emotionally taxing as it's been at times because of unfortunately the numbers that we are dealing with. It has been very rewarding because as a PT, we not only get people up and moving, but we you know give them a sense of hope and a sense of you know um, a sense of hope in that they will get back to kind of where they were before this illness or whatever they're going through, right? So patients who have been in the ICU, for example, for 20, 30, 40 plus days at this point are finally um, making strides and something as little as just being able to hold themselves and sit up at the edge of the bed is becoming like a monumental victory. Um, So in that sense, the wave that came in, it, it was very tough to deal with. Everyone was very stressed because For example, my hospital is ginormous and it's one of many in the city, but units that we haven't been using prior to COVID now all opened up and became COVID and we had multiple floors become ICU floors because that's the capacity that we alone needed. Um, But now a lot of them are closing. A lot of the ICUs are returning to what they were prior. Surgeries are starting again. Um, So it's it's been a lot. It happened very quickly, but we're coming back from it. And I feel like we're, we learned a lot from it. And that's kind of what you have to reflect on and keep in your head in order to keep moving forward. What did you expect, if anything, um, going into acute care? Did you ever anticipate something like this? No, and I don't think anyone did. Um, I mean, I consider being a PT in a hospital an essential part of patient's care, but to be now called like a true essential worker, 
is it, it's not something that I ever thought like we're essential in one way yes but I never thought that it was going to be as important as it really is now and I, I also try to remind all my outpatient friends as well that this is something that's going to kind of ripple through the whole PT system. It's not, doesn't just stop once these patients leave the hospital. Um, there's thousands of people that are impacted that are now requiring assistive devices, for example, or oxygen, for example, that, you know, we're running 10 miles a day for five days a week. Um, so these are people that go, are going to be itching to get back to that lifestyle that they once had. And, you know, everyone's going to be, need to be all hands on deck. And what does a week kind of look like for you during this time? And what did it look like before COVID, before you ever had any cases? Mm-hmm. Um, before COVID, so for example, I started on a general medicine floor. So we had a mix of everything you know, acute diseases, there are acute exacerbations, some cardiology, some post-surgical complications, um, you know, just deconditioning, weakness, a bunch of really acute things. And like I said earlier, all these floors now became COVID floors. Um, so we were in full, da- full gown PPE, um, where before this, obviously we wore no- nothing. Um, maybe a droplet or a surgical mask if the patient had a certain precautions or a contact gown if they had certain precautions. But that was very like one patient, very few and far between. And now we're wearing full PPE. I'm convinced I lost about five to 10 pounds because of all the sweating um, and just like dehydration because then you also can't drink with all this, the, you know, the masks on everything. Um, and we're doing like max transfers where, you know, these patients, some of them, fortunately, in the beginning were ambulatory and did not require much help. But as people got sicker and required more assistance, you know, we're doing two people max transfers to sit someone up at the edge of the bed. Um, So it's becoming more impactful, more hands-on, more physically demanding, mentally demanding. These people are also, you know, you're not going to be in a happy mood. and there's also no visitors. So now you're also dealing with people who are just in a room alone every day, all day, with the occasional nurse popping in and they're not even going into the rooms as much because they're trying to limit their exposure and limit the use of PPE because we've also been short on that. So now we're phone calling and Skyping into rooms or using the video systems or intercom systems to see um, what we need and using a buddy system. So if I was going in for one patient, someone from my team would be on the outside of the door and grab things should I need something that I didn't bring into the room prior. It's a lot more to consider too, because you're, you know, a gown or a pair of socks or something. And now you're, you can't go roaming the halls with all that stuff on because now you're exposing more people that are in the hall. And we also can't bring these patients out of rooms. Um, because again, we're trying to limit the exposure and a lot of them also, severely deconditioned where they can't even walk that far to begin with but patients who we can do laps around the floors with or take to the stairs to do practicing for you know going home um now we're doing like little circles in their tiny little rooms which is not even a good measure of their endurance truly because now they're limited in that sense too so it's a lot (laughs) oh my gosh and this kind of is a huge i don't know just reality because me personally, so I had my acute care rotation um, from, 
I think it was the end of, it was like October to December of 19. So this was all before um, COVID really started to come into light. And just me thinking like how I was able as a student, you know, I was able to go in the supply closet, get everything. We were um, getting patients up and it wasn't, you know, like you said, you have your uh, precautions, but it wasn't anything so like serious where you have to have all this PPE and it just, it blows my mind how like from you talking about this and other PTs of how, how it is now and how that's going to change for students moving forward, going into their acute care inpatient rotations. And what do you see once, um, you know, students are allowed to be let back in and, and hopefully we'll have, um, you know, better measures, like even outcome measures for COVID uh, patients. But what do you see that for students moving forward um, in acute care? I think it's going to be a lot stricter and there's going to have to be a lot more planning involved. Um, I, as we know, like there's not much, re much research out yet with COVID patients, like the, obviously as the days go on, more and more is coming out. So, but I think in general patient care, there's going to be a lot more considerations. And the more we learn about whether it's this disease progression or how it impacts other parts of the body, for example, because a lot of people now are going to have side effects from this, possibly short or long-term, there's going to be a lot more screening that needs to be involved. So I think it's going to be a lot stricter, but a lot more intricate and a lot more planning. Um, and you're going to really, I mean, in acute care, I feel like you have to be on your toes anyway, because you never know what's going to happen in a session, um, just because of all the medical, the medical side of it. But I think a lot, we're going to have to be a lot more involved in maybe not as laid back as someone who just comes in for like a little tiny, normally nonsensical issue. And that also kind of plays into the education too of students before they come in, um, mm -hmm. just being more aware of like emergency um, procedures and that kind of stuff. Um, so we'll see how it goes because as of now, most acute care rotations have been canceled for the summer mm -hmm. um, for students and same with even going into the fall, which kind of makes it challenging. Like, okay, now you've got to find some kind of inpatient experience before you graduate. So we'll see how it turns out. I know students listening, I know you're, mm -hmm. you're having a moment right now. We understand we're with you. Um, we will all be great PTs soon enough, whether mm -hmm. it's in the timeline we thought or not. So yeah, that's just a whole nother side rant. I'm going to stop right there. <laughs> um, but can you kind of go into a little bit of what does an acute care session look like? I know you talked about right now with the COVID patients, you're kind of walking in circles and their smaller room, but what did it look like? What were you helping patients with um, for the students who are listening? They're like, I'm going on my acute care rotation, but I don't know what to expect. Right, right. Good question. Um, so that's kind of what I emphasize to everybody is, you know, unfortunately there's staff out there, whether it's nurses, doctors, or whoever that tend to think that PT is like a walking service. And in a sense, yes, we do walk with our patients, but what exactly are we assessing during their ambulation, right? So we're not only monitoring their actual movement pattern or their gait or um, their endurance, activity tolerance, their oxygen, heart rate, etc. Um, but we're also assessing, you know, balance. Should they need an assist assistive device? How far is this from their baseline? Or is this how they normally move? 
what medically is involved with these patients that could be potentially limiting them, maybe not today, but maybe tomorrow, and how do we plan for that? Um, so typically, you know, we start off with their basic evaluation questions and a thorough chart review, but we are, if we're getting them up from bed or from the chair, you know, what I always try to have my patients kind of lead me so I can see what they are able or capable of doing. And then can I provide them with maybe a more energy efficient way um, or an easier movement way to then complete that transfer or complete that motion? And then again, obviously we're in a hospital, so there's hospital beds. Are they going to have a hospital bed at home? Most likely not. Um, uh, and then we have to plan, you know, well, you have the head of the bed raised 30 degrees, so, you know, how am I, you're not going to have this luxury at home, so we're going to practice what you're doing at home, you know. Um, and then the same thing goes, like I said, with, you know, ambulation, we're, you know, assessing that as well. Or do they need an assistive device? And then how do we size it and show them the best way to use it? A lot of things that I tend to do with my patients too is assessing balance um, or just doing outcome measures. So that could be anything from like the five times sit to stand or like Romberg test, six minute walk test, um, anything that can determine or like gate speed determine if they are able to, you know, do household ambulation, community ambulation. Um, in New York City, a lot of people have apartments, they have a lot of walk ups, they have stairs. Are they gonna be able to get in and out of their? our house? Are they going to be able to get food? Um, how are they going to get to and from doctor's appointments? Subways have stairs, not all of them have elevators. So you have to think of the bigger picture. And uh, yes, a lot of that does come from gait, but also how does that then transition into like their actual functional mobility? Yeah, that's, that's so, that's so true. And just thinking, you know, in their environment, what, what they're going to be going through, especially when they get out of the hospital. And, um, so that was like, you know, before COVID happened. So now that you are, um, treating patients, how, how has that changed? And I know it has changed, um, you know, to an extent of, are you, are you seeing more, um, patients who are on ventilators and kind of, doing more um, mobility that way? Or what are you currently um, doing right now? So I personally have not been in the ICU, but I do know that our coworkers have been getting patients up. Um, it's either like ventilation or a lot of people are transitioning to trach collars. Um, so we're also checking to see like oxygen requirements because not only are these patients significantly weaker, but the way the viral load kind of impacts the lungs is require is it's requiring so much oxygen that and it's taking up so much oxygen I should say should say that like sitting them up can cause their saturation to go from the 90s to the 70s and then we have to you know you're taking into consideration a lot of these people tend to have comorbidities how are they being impacted and you know monitoring lab values that way so it's it's a lot more medically involved, I would say. Oxygen is the biggest component. And then, you know, anything that was more chest PT related, because we do that in acute care, whether it's, you know, incentive spirometry or um, airway clearance techniques, we have found that that's not actually what is most beneficial for these patients, and especially in the beginning phases. And again, we don't really know also the onset because 10 people tend to be asymptomatic carriers, right? Or they can be asymptomatic and then all of a sudden 
decline in one or two days. So it's hard to gauge when they're coming out of that acute phase and starting to get better, but we're not recommending any of that for the very beginning. So then we're being mindful, okay, so how can we increase their oxygen intake to prepare for the functional mobility that we may do later in the day or tomorrow? So proning has been a huge thing that's been happening in the ICUs. Um, and then we're trying to carry it over into the acute setting. So we've had prone teams of PTs um, from the acute care setting that would go in at night as well as they brought in our outpatient PTs because the outpatient facilities have been closed or not all are doing telehealth. Um, and these patients have been sedated and on ventilators being prone for 12 to 16 hours a day to try to increase their oxygen perfusion to so that they would start to get better. And those who were in acute care that, you know, you see them on a Monday and they're on two liters, but by on Friday, they're on six to eight plus liters. We're encouraging them to try to sleep on their stomachs or spend time on their stomachs as well. Um, so it's just a, it's a lot more to consider, but our overall goal for the session tends to be more or less the same as non-COVID. We appreciate you sharing this because so many students right now are like, oh my God, I need to be writing all this down. Yes, you do. <laughs> Go back and listen to it. Write stuff down, guys. If you've never been in an acute care setting, like, of course, you're not going to know any of this because you just simply haven't experienced it. So go back and listen to it, write this stuff down. Um, and we love the resources that you have for students too. Could you just talk a little bit about like what got you started in trying to um, kind of help students out right now? Mm -hmm. So um, I tell everybody this where they're like, oh, how did you start Instagram or why did you start, you know, networking or things like that? And I genuinely started on a very far out whim. I never had a plan for it. I never knew what I wanted to do with it. Um, but as things progressed, people kept reaching out with questions. And I was like, you know what, I feel like I'm very resourceful. And I'm, I was always even in PT school, the one person who kind of like, as someone was, I hate to say it like this, but like, I kind of knew as questions were coming out, like what answers were going to be not in a know-it-all sense, but because I probably Googled it already. And I was just like on top of my <laughs> very organized and type A in a sense. Um, so I was like, how can I provide all these resources and all this information that I have accumulated um, for people who don't always know where to turn to? So that's kind of been my goal <clears throat> uh, in putting information out there. And obviously being in acute care, I don't feel like it's talked about enough. And once I started the job, I was like, well, everyone's exercises and orthopedics and injury prevention on social media. So why not change the game a little bit um, and start this platform? Because not only am I doing this in real time, um, even pre-COVID, but I'm talking about my experiences as I'm working with these patients. So it's true experiences, clinical cases, then also being a new grad, I'm learning at, like kind of with everybody too. So as more questions were coming in, I feel like I just kind of pieced it together that this is something that I enjoy doing. And it doesn't seem time consuming to me because it's fun. So I try to serve as many people as I can based off like just the platform alone. And then I started the Facebook group as a way to like funnel people in just to have everything in one space. Um, Cause it's a lot when you have a bunch of people messaging you every day. Um, but I love just being able to help other people. I mean, like that's why we're in the profession to begin with. So why not inspire and help people that are going to be into this profession within the next couple of years? Exactly. And we just want to give 
all students the resources that they can give excuse me words get give <laughs> all the things <laughs> and so um like go check all the things out guys if you're listening to this we're going to put all the links in the description you can go look at them all go join all the things go see what's out there because there are people who have already done the research and they looked into it and you don't have to feel confused and overwhelmed like oh my gosh where do i even start like i have all these questions and i feel like i'm the only one who has these questions and there are no answers and there are answers <laughs> they're right here open your eyes uh, reach out to people who you may never have reached out to before um, because you have the power of the internet. <laughs> and, yeah, I and I even said that to people like when I started PT school, which was not long ago, um, only a couple years ago. And I just think of how social media has changed so much just in those few years. And there's so much more available to everybody, PT or not online, public information, free access, accessible information. So like there's so much at everybody's fingertips right now, which is like, it's free and it's so easy and it's a quick search on the phone. Like why, why not? Yeah, that's, it's so crazy. Like just the transformation of even social media and uh, like your platform since it started. So um, what, what have you been doing now? So a lot of students have, um, you know, contacted you and providing resources, but what else have you been doing like outside of, um, you know, PT, whether that be coaching or other things that you have going on right now? Um, honestly, not much. <laughs> um, I think just a lot of like relaxing and taking time off. And like I said, I do find this to be fun. So um, just answering messages and reaching out to, you know, having people reach out to me and just having conversations with them has just been like, kind of what I've been doing and I started taking on more private calls if people like want more specific one-on-one -on -one help um but I think it's very subjective at this time because I don't really have a, a plan in place um but just kind of helping who I can I yeah and just kind of staying on top of everything that's going on in the world because like I said before, there's a lot of research coming out day to day. And, you know, even at work, we're being told, you know, new information every day about how we're treating patients and so forth and what plans are in place. So just trying to stay updated as much as I can. And keep yourself sane in all of this. Uh, what I have you been doing? <laughs> what have you been doing to help keep yourself sane with all of this going on? Oh, gosh, sleeping. Um, I started doing like meditation now, which is not something that I ever thought I would need to do. I mean, like, it's just, it's like I said earlier, it's hopeful that things are getting better, but it's still like when you look at numbers, it's, you know, very depressing and we're all home. We can't really do anything. So started using the Headspace app, which I highly recommend. It's great. And I started a TikTok this weekend, which I never thought would be something that I ever like dabbled in I don't know like I'm 26 like let's just do a long 30 at this point because <laughs> um, I feel a little older but then apparently there's moms that are like in their 40s on this so I don't know but I'm still sore from the first one that I did like it's three days after and my legs are still very sore and it does hurt from sitting in a chair so we'll see I don't know stay tuned <laughs> I love that you dabbled in TikTok I saw your video and I was like this is perfect <laughs> Is it perfect or scary? Because I'm scared of it myself. So. 
<laughs> it's great. It's great. No matter what it is. <laughs> yeah. I feel like a lot of people are now getting into TikTok because it's like, well, what else is there to do? And you don't know, like, yep. what are all the younger, like, you know, younger generation um, doing? Because we grew up in the nineties, like we're 2000s kids and we had a totally different, um, you know, childhood, but mm-hmm. yeah, like, still trying to figure out what's going on on TikTok. We, we haven't made a TikTok yet or like our, a video. So, uh, it will definitely be interesting, <laughs> but it's like fun and creative and you get to just be silly, but then also like, mm-hmm. I don't know, show, you know, the younger generation, like, especially with careers. Cause I, um, I hear like there's now more PTs on there and even just other professionals. So that's really great just to bring awareness to, specifically like PT of what we're doing and um especially during this time Mm -hmm. for sure guys we grew up without cell phones (laughs) when did you get your first cell phone this is a side rant I just am going to go down this because people are listening in the future (laughs) oh my gosh middle school and that's only because I was commuting to like a summer program and like in the cities like subways are scary to parents so like need to text mom when I get there (laughs) (laughs) that was literally it oh my gosh and like but internet on the phones wasn't even a thing until like for me it was college we're all the same age yeah so it's it's definitely younger (laughs) no I'm gonna we're both gonna be 26 this year Mm -hmm. okay good yeah (laughs) but that oh my gosh it's crazy yeah middle school was like the first time and it was more of just you know friends were getting in I'm like you know, I've showed that I'm res- I'm a responsible middle schooler, I guess. I don't get in trouble, so <laughs> so you can uh, get a phone. But yeah, it's just so crazy, like how we, um, yeah, just thinking about like whenever we see the throwback pictures, it's just so sentimental and so nostalgic. And uh, sometimes I wish like we can have that again, or just a day of just like having all those things that we grew up with in our childhood, but people who are listening, they're like, what are you talking about? (laughs) Oh my gosh, true. But the one thing I will, to go off of that quickly, I saw something a while ago and it was like, people didn't know, or some kids didn't know that the save icon on like Microsoft Word was a floppy disk because they never knew what a floppy disk was. And they just thought it was like the icon for save. I'm like, damn. I, yeah, we use floppy disks in elementary school. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. If you don't know what that is, Google it right now. Yeah, <laughs> you guys really should. <laughs> That's so funny. Oh, my God. I could go on so many rants. I'm going to stop myself. Um, <laughs> we, we always end with this question. Um, what would be your biggest, like, biggest piece of advice for current SPTs? Ooh, that's a good one. Mm-hmm. biggest advice this has kind of been a theme that I'm noticing with like all the little pieces of advice that I give so I guess the one big takeaway would be to stay in your lane and when I say that it encompasses studying what you want to do in your career like overall time management how you balance your different parts of like life in PT school And I say that because everyone studies differently, functions differently, sleeps differently, you know, schedules life differently, routines differently. And I think there's such like a competitive nature coming out of college that a lot of people tend to then compare themselves to other students. And it was something that I know I struggled with a lot in my first year. 
So I'd feel guilty if someone was studying and I needed a burnt out break and vice versa. And prioritizing studying versus like hanging out with friends, but then people were able to time manage and hang out with their friends. So like, if you need to feel like you need to do something for yourself, stay in your lane and be selfish because you're the one that's coming out of this, that's gonna be one-on-one with the patient. Your classmates, your colleagues, et cetera, are not gonna be there. So you should worry about the type of clinician that you wanna be and how you're gonna get there. And if people are gonna do the same thing, but route differently or end up somewhere else, don't worry about that because in the long run, it's about your license, you passing the boards and you getting your job. (laughs) That uh, definitely, Uh, A lot of students needed to hear that. And, you know, we all go through that comparison game and it happens like just you have to recognize, okay, you know, what am I doing right now? And am I like creating more stress in my life from comparing myself to my classmates and what they're doing and how they're studying or having the study guilt of, oh, I need a break, but I see them studying. And if, if you're in that, like, don't put yourself in that environment, but I love what you said of just stay in your lane because it's so true. Like everything is, um, it's, it's your path and it's your future, but you are in control. So that is great advice for, um, for current students and as well as incoming SPTs coming in this cycle. Um, but where can students find you on social media if they don't know, or if they're just hearing this, they're like, where, like, where is, where is she on social media? Yeah, um, I just have Instagram right now. So it's at dpt.steph with a P-H. Um, and if you want to join the Facebook group or link up somewhere else, the link should be in my bio. Hopefully it still is in another year. I don't know. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's kind of where I'm at right now. I don't have anything else yet because I'm still trying to figure out how to separate my personal life versus like an Instagram page. So nothing on Facebook or anything else just yet, but maybe stay tuned. You never know. Awesome. We appreciate you coming on today, Steph. It was so great chatting with you. Thanks you. Thanks you. (laughs) Thank you so much. (laughs) Thank you guys for having me. This was so fun. Of course. We'll have to do it again. For sure. Thanks for listening to Gratitude, the grad school guide for student physical therapists. If you like our show and want to know more, check out our Instagram and Facebook page linked in the description. Looking for a gift for a friend, classmate, professor, co-host of a podcast, or really anyone? Physio Memes got your back with apparel, drinkware, and home decor. And if you go to physiomemes.com, you can get a 20% off coupon with the code gratitude, spelled G-R-A-D-I-T-U-D-E-2020. And don't forget to check out his social media for a good study break laugh. As always, make life humorous.